Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Blush Podcast. I'm your host, Heba. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome. If you're a regular listener, thanks for joining me again. I can't believe it's February. I kind of feel like 2022 has flown by. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it really feels like yesterday that I was doing the New Year's Eve episode where I talked about my journey over 2021 and how I realized I was doing so much people-pleasing. I was doing things not because I authentically wanted to, but because I wanted to be liked or maybe because I was afraid of what I actually wanted. I was never really assertively stating what I wanted. I would kind of play games and I would say I really grew up in these ways in 2021, and a big theme of what I want to focus on this year is really reclaiming our power and not just doing things because we want to be liked or because we're afraid to listen to our own intuition or because we're afraid to just put ourselves out there. And today's episode is really on theme with that. When I look back at my adult life, I would say the number one way that I haven't listened to myself and have really given my power away is with regards to diet. Now, a lot of this has been out of just a desire to be thinner or look better, but a lot of it also is because I've had a lot of health problems, primarily digestive issues. So to just kind of briefly walk you through it, in college, I gained a lot of weight. The regular freshman 15 plus, I was on steroids all the time because I had all these issues with my tonsils. And so I gained a lot of weight. And then I started reading about carbs. And I was like, okay, if I eliminate all the carbs, then I'll lose weight. And so I was obsessively reading the ingredients labels of things. I wouldn't even eat carrots that were in my soup. It was really out of hand and spoiler alert, it didn't even work. And then what did I try next? Maybe the next thing I tried was just counting calories. Now that did work, but it came at a huge cost. I became obsessive about it and that really started this cycle of over-restricting and then binging, which honestly plagued the vast majority of my adult life. I wouldn't even say that I'm perfect about it now, but it's way more under control. But that's only as of I don't know, two years ago. So really the vast majority of my adult life, I was in that cycle. Throughout that process, my digestive issues kept getting worse and worse. I mean, at some point, I remember when I was in law school, I would get bloated regardless of what I ate or even if I didn't eat at all. That's how fucked up my microbiome was. And I was trying all the things to address it. I, again, have tried various types of low-carb, everything from keto to more Whole30 types. 
I've tried cutting out massive food groups like the low FODMAP. I don't even know if that's how it's pronounced. It's F-O-D-M-A-P. I've tried that where you basically cut out just so many foods. I'm not even going to list them. It's not important. I've tried food combining rules where you don't eat proteins and fats together and you only eat fruits alone and yada yada. I've tried the opposite of a keto type diet, like a low fat, high carb diet that some Instagram influencers were peddling at the time. I've tried eating for my dosha, like with Ayurveda. I read some book about archetypes and how we should eat for our archetypes. I've tried eating with my cycle and uh, eating different types of seeds depending on where in my cycle I was. I've tried it all. I'm not going to keep listing all of the random weird things that I've tried, but there's one theme that carries through, and that's that I wasn't listening to my own body and my own needs and what my body actually needed and wanted. Instead, I was giving my power away to various Instagram accounts and books and other people telling me what to eat. But that's not the energy that we want for 2022. The energy that we want for this year is listening to ourselves, trusting ourselves, trusting our intuitions, trusting our bodies. I don't really have the expertise to speak on this, so I invited the expert in this field, my friend, Mary. Mary shares her journey of how she became sick and how she healed that through nutrition and how she then left her job in interior design to start a coaching business. This interview goes so many places that I didn't even intend for it to go to. We talk a lot about spirituality and the connection between spirituality and how we nourish ourselves with food, which I think is so fascinating. And even if you are not religious or have no spiritual beliefs, I still think it would be so interesting to listen to. And on the other side, if you don't really give a shit about food and what you're eating, which is totally fine, I still think it's a very interesting conversation. We talk a lot about how to tap into your intuition. Mary gives really good actionable advice for that. She also gives very direct, pragmatic tips for what to do if you're dealing with various things, things that are easy and cost-effective that you can do every single day. We talk a lot about bellies, you know, wanting a flat stomach, digestive issues, belly fat, sucking in versus not sucking in. This episode really goes all over, and the uniting theme is is that we have all the answers within ourselves. We know what's best for us. We just have to get out of our way, get out of our heads, and really be able to listen. If you're someone who can relate to what I talked about with diet stuff, even if it isn't to that extreme, but you know, you're like, "Uh, I don't know, they tell me I shouldn't eat carbs. They tell me I should eat a huge breakfast. They tell me I should be fasting until 4 p.m. I don't know what to do. You're going to take so much from this episode, and if you have anyone in your life who is dealing with all these things, please share this episode with them because I think they can take so much from it and just really learn to live with more ease. So without further ado, on to the interview with Mary. Mary, how are you? I'm doing so well. I'm so glad to be here because we've talked about it like 10 different times and the timing just like had to be right. It had to be in the stars. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I mean, this is a podcast less about physical health and more about emotional health, I would say. Mm. But I feel like my physical health affects my emotional health so much. So it just seems so fitting and I really can't talk about food stuff that well because it's like clearly not an area that I'm under control, (laughs) like that I have under control at all. So I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Can you tell the audience a little about your background and how you came to this work? Sure. Yeah. So first thing, I love that you just said that you you don't think of food in terms of just like a physical thing with your podcast. And I don't either. So I can't wait to get into that. 
But in terms of my background, I really launched into this wellness path and becoming a teacher when I had my own set of health issues. So I think it was about 2000, I want to say 19, when I woke up one day with full body psoriasis. And you know, you Mm -hmm. saw it. It was intense. Like I was wearing turtlenecks and pants every single day so that I could show up to my like luxury staging job and not have clients think I was just like deranged Mm -hmm. so I finally got so fed up with going to doctors and having them trying to prescribe me all these things without like a proper diagnosis Mm -hmm. and they was these were harsh steroids pills chemicals and so I finally took it into my own hands and researched my ass off until I found medical medium and through his philosophies I was able to heal myself in six months so once I had this, this, this power and knowing that I could heal myself, I was like, oh, wow, like this is the missing ingredient that people don't have. Mm-hmm. And that really set me, to, set me off on this path of really fine-tuning that process. Mm-hmm. I would imagine a lot of the audience is not familiar with medical medium. Can sure. you just yeah. say who that is? <laughs> yeah. So it's a little weird. It's super woo-woo. So I definitely don't talk about it very openly all the time. Mm-hmm. But medical medium is definitely wor- worth looking into. I will tell my clients about him. But I always suggest with anyone, even myself, someone research and find what find what resonates with them. So mm-hmm. just prefacing with that. His intel comes from a higher source so he says and I believe so when you read his first book he really goes into how he speaks to the spirit of compassion and through this sort of godly connection he gets all these downloads about the true cause of illnesses chronic illnesses especially in American culture and how we can really heal those at a body mind and spirit level Um, and he really goes into the fundamentals within each of his books of like a very strict eating and supplement routine. And that's what I both love and don't love about him. And that's sort of where I deviated from a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has a great foundation of Intel, but then you do have to kind of make it your own because it's very, it can border on restrictive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What specifically would you say is restrictive about his So part of what I do like about it is that it's regimented, um, Mm -hmm. which I actually think is frowned upon in so many like health conversations right now. But I think a regiment is actually very nice. It takes the thinking out of your day. So like things like waking up and drinking morning lemon water, drinking a green juice, specifically celery juice is what he he speaks about. And he really promotes a plant-based diet. He doesn't, he's not like pro or anti-vegan. He just promotes the fact that you should really be prioritizing healing foods. Mm -hmm. So I very much teach from that perspective as well. Um, Oh my gosh, totally lost where where your question came from. (laughs) (laughs) I got so into medical medium that I was like, wait a minute, where does this connect? (laughs) It's from the Reiki I had earlier, I promise. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, So what don't you like about... Right. uh, How do you think it's too strict? I'm just curious. No, no. I think this is really important. Okay, so where I think it gets a little bit overzealous is that if you don't have a chronic health issue that is like impeding your life in a major way, like head-to-toe psoriasis, preventing you from being able to like show up in the world authentically and feeling good about yourself, then to eat in that way is unnecessary, basically. So Mm. I do see that a lot. I mean, I have a really good friend who closely follows medical medium because she saw the results I had. And she's also had great success with certain smaller things, but I just don't find it super necessary for every single person. I think if you have something like really serious going on, it can help to get really strict with things just Mm -hmm. so that you're like not letting anything get through the cracks and that can be necessary, but I think where it becomes restrictive is when people are trying to eat that way, like all day, every day for the rest of their lives. Right. And I remember watching you. So in the beginning, you were very strict with it. Yeah. And then you healed all your skin stuff. And now, I mean, you'll go out to eat. Yep. And obviously you're not, mm-hmm. you know, making 30,000 instructions for exactly. the restaurant. Exactly. Like you live your life. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And there are like a couple, I don't follow too many people that are like super into medical medium, but there are a couple people on Instagram I follow. And I just, 
it like I'm stressed out looking at their stories mm-hmm. like they are going to a restaurant and like making them put all the shit on the side and like making dressings at the table and shit and I'm like just like yeah please god like just fucking with your life like <laughs> yeah. I, I can't you're stressing me out yeah and the food fear portion I just I don't like I think there's right. a way to deliver information where it's not coming from a place of fear right yeah I've actually been thinking about looking at his books just because of my current health stuff it's funny with medical medium wait actually before we move away with medical medium Mm -hmm. can you tell that story that you told me about wait so for the audience a medium is someone who Mm -hmm. says they can connect with the other side kind of like yeah uh, traditional mediums will like channel deceased people and Mm -hmm. pass on messages things like that so his thing is that he's a medical medium he can like see what's Mm -hmm. wrong with people medically and he channels these things that medicine hasn't caught up yet exactly um can you tell the story you told me a couple years ago that i believe was in one of his books Mm, do you remember what i'm talking about yeah i just love this story so much it's really from like the first like five pages of his book his first book so if anyone is interested in like getting the full scoop but this was really the moment where i was like interested in learning more about him and and really started to believe is he was basically he was a small kid and he was sitting at the table and something he heard a voice but like not inside like most clairvoyants most clairvoyants are very open about the fact that they just sort of like can get information internally so to speak Mm -hmm. but this was like someone was talking to him in his ear and it was telling him everything like I'm spirit of compassion basically and explaining what it was and then this spirit just started telling him information about the people sitting around him and then he as a little kid was like yeah you got cancer and then everyone was like totally freaking out about this like little clairvoyant little man and then he went on to really it he actually weirdly enough he like started you know tinkering with things like cars and things like that because this intuition goes even beyond like human mechanics he has like a, uh, a deeper yeah like he just oh, has like a so deeper understanding of I I kind of term it body energetics uh-huh you know so just a genuine understanding of like how things work on a deeper level that doesn't meet the eye. Okay. And I would say like you were kind of intimating that, and this is how I feel reading his books, his stuff is like the essence of the truth, but science always takes so much longer to catch up and we just really haven't realized that. We don't want to admit that. Science right. is always lagging behind because by the time you can prove something, it's obvious. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his stuff, like, I was never that into him, but I remember anytime I'd randomly read something, I'd be like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah that I can, like, verify that scientifically, like, from a nutrition standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I currently, I know I've talked about this recently, I have a thyroid issue, and I remember reading about it a long time ago on Medical Medium, and he says the root is Epstein-Barr virus, and I also have mono, which he says, and now the medical community has caught up. Mono is actually an Epstein-Barr virus. Like, it's in that family. And the root of all this is last year, my ex, who for longtime listeners will remember, Van Guy, gave me herpes. Um, just HSV-1, not genital. Not that it matters. It's, like, really identical. But uh, I just mean it's less insidious. Like, he did, like most people have it already. Um, I just had never been exposed and herpes is an Epstein-Barr virus like mm-hmm. in that family and now I'm having all of these other things that medical medium actually sees are very linked. Yeah. The crazy thing about that too is that he also speaks about very in-depth and I think liver rescue in that book. He also speaks about how we all have the herpes viruses in our bodies which western medicine says as well Mm -hmm. but something will set it off so like Mm. sometimes they're you know who knows what set it off it could be coincidence it could be that that situation really did set it off but it just sort of exacerbates issues like even with my psoriasis that's even though they're totally disjointed conditions yours and mine they're actually by medical mediums perspective exactly related they're both Mm -hmm. any sort of autoimmune things anything thyroid related it all goes back to Epstein Mm -hmm. which is very weird but I said this before I find it kind of relieving because then there's 
a very similar, almost identical protocol for anything that you could ever really encounter in terms of chronic health concerns. It's like if you follow a variant of a, of a protocol of his, you will be able to, even if you don't necessarily heal one thing in particular, you're going to have deeper healing on a lot of mm-hmm. different levels. So it's like you can't go wrong in mm-hmm. a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very yeah, relieving. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so going back to your story. So we left off, you're still doing staging work. You heal your skin stuff. Yeah. How did you go from there to where you are now? Yeah, I think that the crazy thing about 2020 is it just pivoted people's lives like they could have never imagined. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think for some people it felt really devastating. And for other people it felt relieving. And I'm definitely the latter I feel like I was at my I had been at my dream job for probably like a little under a year um working in luxury staging and I'd always wanted that particular job I finally get it and then COVID hits and Mm -hmm. I got furloughed and I had the option to go back a few months later but by that point I had already had this like genuine revelation where I was like oh yeah this is you know probably less than six months after I had fully healed this rash and realized that like this is a really big deal like this is a big missing piece of a puzzle that I hadn't realized and when I had that epiphany at the same time coming off of this moment of having downtime to think about the trajectory Mm -hmm. of my life as we all did I was like I can't go back so I I didn't end up going back and I enrolled in IIN Mm -hmm. and that sort of just gave me the foundation to speak about what I sort of already knew just from firsthand experience and really gave me the nutritional um, information to be able to then guide other people with their stuff. Mm -hmm. And IIN, for anyone who doesn't know, is a nutritional coaching program? Yeah, it's a year-long program to become Mm -hmm. a health coach. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So I know one of the pillars of what you coach talk on speak on teach on is intuitive eating Mm -hmm. can you explain what that means yeah love this so much I honestly could talk about this for hours so intuitive eating and I feel similarly as I do about medical medium it's it's one of those trends or philosophies that I think has good bits and bad bits and I think that's where it becomes really important to take what works and leave what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I see a lot within the trend of intuitive eating about like you should just be able to eat whatever the fuck you want. Like people are promoting eating Oreos and ice cream and shit, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't eat that. I'm saying like maybe use a little bit more logic than mm-hmm. that. And so my approach to intuitive eating, you know, if we break it down intuitive in terms of really finding that inner voice to guide you instead of listening to diet culture. So we'll go Mm -hmm. deeper into that. And then the eating piece of it, obviously, like your food choices, your everyday food choices. So the thing with this idea of letting yourself be able to eat whatever you want That's not intuitive because your body at the end of the day, I work from this philosophy very similar to medical medium where your body is designed to keep you safe, healthy, healed. If Mm -hmm. it's from God in that way. Mm -hmm. So to think that your body is flawed is almost like calling God imperfect. Like you can't, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking of it from that philosophy, your body is going to be called in this sort of godly sense to the things that it needs in order to stay vibrant and at its peak. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to tune into that voice and get rid of all the other, you know, sort of like ego-based bullshit, mm-hmm. you'll arrive at all of the answers that you ever needed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's less so about the Oreos and things like that. It's obviously going to be a return to nature. Mm-hmm. That's where the vitality is. That's where the healing is. So it does very much... Um, line up with medical medium in that sense but I do think that you know there's there's sort of two avenues right there's the binging and the restricting Mm -hmm. I think that's that's where we go wrong so to speak Mm -hmm. um so if you're acting from a place of intuition it eliminates that conundrum Mm -hmm. entirely you Mm -hmm. you're you're no longer having this moment where you feel like you can't have something you can have whatever you want it's a choice And you also are aware of the fact that an Oreo is giving you zero nutrition. It's purely Mm -hmm. for pleasure. And that's cool, but you just have to know. Mm -hmm. 
that's the big differentiation for me. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who is listening and they're like, yeah, this all sounds cool, but like, how the fuck do I implement it? Like, I don't like my intuition says nothing, Mm. you know, like how how do you actually tap into this? How do you actually implement it? Yeah. That's where this ties into exactly where you started out saying that, you know, food is not just about physical. It's a spiritual thing as well. Our health is a spiritual thing, right? It's mind, body, and spirit, which is Mm -hmm. the holistic approach that I teach from. So the thing with intuition is it's not just about food. It's we need our intuition in order to live our lives to the fullest potential, to our 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 most God-given potential, so to speak, Mm -hmm. which I want to put a like a little asterisk to this and say that you can insert whatever word you want for God. I honestly was very uncomfortable with the word God until like a year ago when I read Course in Miracles. It is wild for me to hear you say it so much because when we first met, I remember you were like, none of my friends even know that I'm not an atheist. And I mean, we met through kind of like spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, the jig was up between the two of us. (laughs) But I do remember you being like, none of my friends know. Like, it's so weird for me to sit in a room of girls and talk about spirituality like this. Yeah. I also have a very religious background. This is a total side note, but I have a very religious background. My dad was born in Christian. So having it forced mm. down my throat made me totally like anti-God. I always believed in something, you know, spiritually, mm. but I just, I couldn't get down with the word God. So I just want to throw that out there for anyone who doesn't and feels uncomfortable with the word God. I just think it's something to look at because I yeah. do feel like it, like that particular word holds a certain power and energy and vibration that I don't think other words really like happen to so just Mm -hmm. throwing it out there but intuition is related to god is the thing so if you need to put a different word to it for a while like higher source or spirit whatever you need to do do that but intuition is it's it's this channel you know very much like with what i said the story about medical medium having that voice in his ear we all have that voice he just has it on the outside which is what his unique sort of gift in this lifetime is but we all have that voice on the inside we all have the ability to tap into the what a course in miracles calls the holy spirit it's almost like this idea that god can't speak to us directly so he has this sort of like messenger because god doesn't speak in our words and whatnot so it's almost like this divine messenger. So we have that voice of the Holy Spirit, so to speak, in us. Mm-hmm. So from a spiritual perspective, without getting super deep into it, to get in touch with your intuition, you really do need to forge a spiritual connection to yourself and to a higher spirit. If you don't believe in a, in a source of abundance that's created you to be perfect then your health will never be what you want it to be because you have a belief that you're imperfect and you're broken. And we are an exact replica of our beliefs. Our outside mirrors are inside. Mm -hmm. So if we're walking around thinking that God has the capacity to make us depressed and have it not be fixable, then we will walk around having an unfixable bout of depression for the rest of our lives. Okay. What about someone who's listening who might just be atheist? I don't, I, I, you know, I'm sure I'll get so much slack for this. I don't believe you. I don't believe anyone that says that they're an atheist. And I have friends that are slowly coming to me with spiritual questions that have always been atheists. And I think the thing with atheists, I mean, obviously I'm being totally generic in saying this, but with my observation is that they don't love the way that people have spoken to them about spirituality in the past. Right. They use the word God. They probably feel threatened by it the same way I did. Yeah. Or they hear things that aren't concrete and they're just abstract and they're science minded and they need logical proof. And the mm-hmm. thing is, is like you won't have that. And I always use the same example, which I think is so important to realize. We thought the fucking earth was flat. Mm-hmm. Okay, like we're never going to know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out what our truth is. And the thing with an atheistic perspective is it it doesn't it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like if they were able to explain why they feel that way, 
I could probably get down with it, but I've never heard an atheist ever explain their like a lack of a God in a, in a way that makes any fucking sense to me at all. Like it's, it almost to me comes across illogical. Mm-hmm. How like, look at a flower, just please go look at a flower and like, tell me, tell me how that's coincidence. I just don't, mm-hmm. I just can't, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've always been spiritual. Um, I like, almost everyone I would guess do have religious trauma Mm -hmm. Um, my parents were when I was young they were quite Muslim now they're Mm. a lot more they really are very spiritual and they're very open to all religions and they like I've said that I don't believe in Islam and I don't mean this to be offensive to anyone I just don't really to me all of the organized religions seem so imperfect that I can't imagine that they were actually like divinely created Mm. but I've always been very very spiritual and my parents are like super accepting of my views they even sometimes instead of God will like use the word universe to make me comfortable I'm like I'm fine (laughs) with the word God it's like it's cute though but you know when I was young they were very like they only eat halal meat Mm. to this day only eat halal meat so as a little kid never being able to like eat the same things that my classmates are eating that was traumatizing or you know like and this is both cultural and religious but like not letting me talk to boys like getting really mad at me for talking to boys at a young age things like that like it was very traumatizing to me but yeah I don't remember why I got on this tangent nevertheless I am very spiritual um I think it's important though I actually think like the religious trauma piece is super fucking important. I mean, to bring it back to this concept of intuitive eating is is also important, but they really like they go together. Mm -hmm. If you can't get in touch with your intuition, if you don't have a spiritual component to your life, if you don't believe in something that has your back, then there is no way to get in touch with your intuition. Because as I said, it's it's that's God speaking through you. That's your ultimate Mm -hmm. truth coming through you. It's the thing that's going to guide you to your highest potential. And so I think a lot of this religious trauma comes from sort of, you touched on it a little bit, like a fear-based perspective. So like this idea, you know, I, I know with, with my dad, I was raised to be afraid of Satan, darkness, like whatever you want to call it. And so I grew up thinking that bad people who do bad things, like then bad things happen to them. As Mm -hmm. I've I've yet to find an organized religion that doesn't teach that. And that's where you lose me because Mm -hmm. I don't believe in a God like that. I believe that they're very much a course in perspective, a course in miracles perspective. There is no such thing as darkness. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's, all a lie that we yeah, created. Yeah, I agree. It's with a, that it's a too. power play, really. Mm-hmm. If we really wanted to go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. And one last thing on this, I will say, I have a friend who grew up in a very evangelical household and has been very, very outspokenly atheist, like anti-religious, like really mm. outspokenly so. And I remember one time, you know, I always post kind of spiritual stuff on Instagram. Yeah. One time he was going through something. I don't even know what it was, but he DM'd me and he was like, there's something going on. Can you please pray for me? And I was like, wow, you are the most atheist atheist I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> and even you in that moment can yeah. turn to spirituality. Yeah. I think it's because we know on a really deep level, I think we have to think from a, almost like a childlike perspective. When you're a kid, there is not one part of you that doesn't believe in God. You might not have a word for it and you might not mm-hmm. have uh, a language to speak about how you feel, but you see God in everything and everyone, you know, like there, Mm -hmm. it's just replace God with the word love, you know, like it's just, Mm. it's just an all encompassing love energy. And Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, like any given moment, whether it's food or it's, you know, some sort of um, like communication with a friend, you, you're always either choosing love or fear. There's nothing Mm -hmm. else. There's only sort of like two vibrations that we can ever really click into. And if you're clicking into love, then you're always going to be good. There's no, sh- no, no room for shame at that point. I love that so much. Yeah. That's the piece that I think, um, for me, that's the, the core of how I teach intuitive eating mm-hmm. is that if you're coming from a place of deep, 
deep love for yourself, you can't fuck up. And I love this example. One of one of my when I taught an intuitive eating workshop a few months ago, one of the girls in it, she was saying probably like week three out of six, she was like, I'm so proud of myself. The other night I had a bowl of ice cream and it reminded me of my dad. So when I was eating it, I was just so happy. And when Mm. I was done eating it, I felt good. Like maybe normally I would, you know, feel shameful or bloated or whatever, but she felt so good about it. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I never, I never teach that you can't have something that you want. It's Mm -hmm. all about intentionality. It's all about just making sure that you've chosen in a way that leaves zero room for shame. Mm -hmm. And that if you do have shame, because we will always fuck up. So if you do have that shame, having the toolkit to forgive yourself and then do differently the next time, like really collecting that evidence of what feels good and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. That's how we build our intuitive muscle, Mm -hmm. whether it's food or otherwise. Trial and error. Okay, that was actually going to be my next question. Like, do you have any actionable tips for someone who's like, okay, I want to get more in touch with my intuition? Yeah, within this idea of trial and error, like it is going to take a particular amount of time to really almost, even if you're wanting to physically log how you feel after eating particular things, I think that can sometimes border on a little obsessive so that you Mm -hmm. have to be careful with that. But it does come down to this, pause element so really figuring out where your triggers lie is a Mm -hmm. huge piece of it so I teach from this perspective of say you want something that I don't know maybe it feels a little bit naughty let's just say ice cream Mm -hmm. just having that moment where you pause and you think about it and you ask yourself why you want it and how you're feeling and really checking in with yourself almost going overboard like have a conversation with yourself that's almost a little annoying at first Mm -hmm. and go into it so deeply and then when you come out on the other side you'll have an informed decision that you can make Um, one thing that I teach that is a little bit spiritual, but I like to teach people a meditation where you basically sort of visualize two different food choices and say like one is I'm going to have an apple after dinner, just like something a little sweet, maybe with a tea, or I'm going to have that ice cream that I've been saving for like a special night. So if you go into this meditation that I, that I walk people through and you visualize the apple and then you visualize the ice cream one's going to feel better in your body Mm -hmm. one is going to tighten you up and make you feel constricted and then the other is going to lead to this sort of expansiveness and one night it might be the apple and one night it might be the ice cream it's never Mm -hmm. a constant because you at any given moment need different things Mm -hmm. so this is how you build your trust muscle because then when you say you get the the intuitive hit that the apple is going to feel better than the ice cream but then you go and you eat the ice cream anyway chances are you're probably not going to feel very good and now you're learning your lesson that way or you eat the apple and you feel amazing because your intuition kind of led you in that direction and now you're reaffirming it by the fact that you feel really good after it Mm -hmm. so it can really be anything food even you know, outside of food, but it's this idea of really letting your intuition guide you to something and then making a mental note of like, oh yeah, my intuition guided me here and it feels really good. So like, let me remember that that voice that I was tapping into, that's the one that leads me to my, to my highest good. Mm -hmm. It is a muscle strengthening situation. And that's, you know, that's sort of like a fleshed out version of a trial and error situation you know Mm -hmm. instead of blindly going into things just being like oh I don't know like I guess we'll see like it's a little bit more formulaic like a little bit more thought out yeah yeah I love that I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about bellies as a whole and there's a bunch of things I want to talk about in this area yeah I'm glad you're saying this so the first thing I remember you posted about this on your Instagram and it was something that I just really sucked up it was so interesting to me I did not intend for this pun but you posted something about sucking your belly yeah can you talk about this yeah oh my gosh this is such a game changer and part of this Revelation came from Alexander Roxo, who's been a mentor to me. But 
it's this concept that we as women, uh, there's multiple layers to it, but it's this at the root, it's this concept that we as women are not sexy if we have excess body fat in some place that we don't want it. You know, like somewhere along the lines, you know, wasn't so in the 1800s, but somewhere along the lines, it became like unacceptable to have Mm -hmm. any sort of belly if you're a woman. So we automatically, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I know I did all through my college career. I was sucking in my stomach the entire fucking time. Like I remember Mm -hmm. going to parties and being like, I'm exhausted. Like Mm -hmm. I am exhausted. And I look great in the pictures and it's a big mind fuck because I forget that I was sucking my stomach in the entire time. But the thing that you're doing when you're sucking your stomach in is you're sending yourself the the messaging that you suck. Like for the Mm. entire time you're doing it, you're sending yourself the message that you suck and you're fat and you hate yourself. Mm -hmm. So I remember the post that you're speaking about. I was actually showing people like how to, to stand and like how having correct posture makes your belly flatten out naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, like we think that, it's so funny because when you suck your stomach in, I've seen girls do this a million times. They're like, no, look, this is what I look like. And then they let their stomach go and it becomes humongous because you've let all of the muscles in your stomach go. But there's this happy medium where you're like thoughtfully engaging your core the same way you would in like yoga or Pilates. Mm -hmm. And you have a soft little bend in your knees when you're standing, your shoulders are back, your, your spine is straight. And when you've aligned your body in that way with really good posture, that like gut, you know, sticking out, it goes away. Like your back becomes flat, you know? Mm -hmm. So like do that before you start freaking out about sucking your stomach in, you know? Yeah. So it goes, it goes both ways, like good posture. And also like make sure you're, you're saying nice things to yourself and you're not subconsciously sabotaging yourself all day. Mm -hmm. I remember, so I do have terrible posture. I have this posture trainer. I'm going to start wearing it again, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But um, I remember one time when I was in law school, and at the time, I just have to add, I was skinny. Like I was in an intense part of my eating disorder. I probably weighed like under 85 pounds. Like I was skinny. Mm -hmm. And I was wearing a form-fitting dress. We were pre-gaming at my place to go out. And I remember uh, just chatting with this girl for a second. I was like, "Uh, is my belly sticking out too much? Like, you know how I would do constantly at the time. (laughs) And she was like, I mean, I just think that you need to suck in all night. Yeah. And I even remember at the time, because I knew, you know, I knew I had an eating disorder. I was aware of how thin I was. I was like, really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so wild. I, I we've never had that conversation before, but it's I can very much relate. I um I never had disordered eating. Like I wouldn't put that label to it because I know people who have had actual serious mm-hmm. things. So I would never use that term for myself. I've definitely had restrictive moments in my life that I look back at and I kind of cringe at, but mm-hmm. I definitely have never had an eating disorder. I did, however, grow up poor and not having proper nutrition and I mm-hmm. it made me frail like I was frail until I was probably like 14 and puberty hit and I had the exact same thing where people would tell me I would be they'd be like you're really really pretty except your stomach like straight mm. up people would call that out and so I grew up and I remember going to college and you know gaining the freshman 15 and it all went to my stomach area and mm. I remember just being like this is disgusting like I hate myself and I was working out like I had to get rid of it and that's where I think we we do tend to go we're like okay well diet culture has set this up for me perfectly I'm just gonna do this diet and then Mm -hmm. work out every single day you know for fucking four hours a day and I'll eventually be great cut out carbs do 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 all this things right it works but at what cost Mm -hmm. like the cost doesn't come till down the line when you realize you had some sort of serious mental thing going on Mm -hmm. and maybe even a a chronic health disorder comes from it right so the the thing about the like if you are a thin person who suffers with a gut which is a real thing um 
it's probably because your nutrition sucks. Like that's, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Like looking back, I, I was, yeah, I was skinny. I was also malnourished mm-hmm. and there's such a, you know, that's why we see like kids in, in tribes where they're, they have this like bloated stomach. Like that's a real thing, right? Yeah. Like that happens in different levels. So it could be some level of malnutrition. It also could be like genuinely like you're eating bullshit and -hmm. it's causing inflammation. So again, a lot of the philosophy around intuitive eating that I teach because it is about healing foods and it is about, you know, making sure anything outside of that is just for pleasure and, and intentionally so. It's also very focused on this concept of eating in order to keep inflammation in check. Mm-hmm. Because if you keep your inflammation down, things that you thought were just you go away. Like you could go your whole life thinking that you have this like gut situation that you don't actually have. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. I want to come back to inflammation. I just want to say real quick, I think sometimes we have this thing where we're like, well, I don't. Like, oh, no, I didn't have an eating disorder. And and I'm not saying that you have an eating disorder. I think it's just, I think almost every woman I know has had some period of yeah. having food issues. And sometimes it feels like you're like, well, it's not bad enough to put that label on it. Not that I'm saying you should put that label on yeah. it. I just want everyone to feel comfortable being like, yeah, I've had food issues, even if it's not like you weren't hospitalized for it, or even if you don't have to go to treatment, or even if it wasn't as severe, I think we can all Mm -hmm. feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm glad you say that. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I did have another question in mind, and I have a feeling inflammation might tie into it. If not, we'll hit it separately. What would you say to the person who has digestive issues, particularly what I think comes up a lot in this community is constipation? I'm so glad you're saying this. I think every single woman has constipation issues and doesn't yeah. talk about it. Yeah. And it's funny. I have, um, I, I'm totally blowing up people's spots on this, on this podcast. I don't even care. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a cousin who has such bad constipation for so many years now that she's considering having her colon removed. And that people, was always people, my biggest People fear. get that desperate. And it's nothing against her. It, this is very much like I feel like this ties so deeply into how toxic uh, diet culture is. Mm-hmm. Diet culture convinces you, you know, very much tying back to the beginning of our conversation. Diet culture convinces you that you're wrong and like it's going to mm-hmm. make you right. Mm-hmm. And it convinces you that your body needs to be fixed. Like your body doesn't need to be fixed. You've just fallen victim to diet culture and thinking that there's like right things to eat and wrong things to eat. Mm-hmm. But if you were eating real food, like foods that were created to, you know, by God to be in, not by some corporation who wants your money, mm-hmm. you'd be good. Like the inflammation would go away and you'd be good to go. Mm-hmm. With constipation, I really feel like people are impatient as fuck. To get rid of constipation takes a minute. Like it's Mm going to take a consistent amount of effort. And I think especially when you haven't had a diet with um, like a proper amount of fiber and proper natural probiotics like from raw greens and proper hydration, that's key. We're Mm -hmm. all chronically dehydrated, all of us, but especially women and especially if you're in New York in winter. And that's a huge component of it too. And also stress and a million other things. So it takes a concerted, consistent effort and not getting impatient and being like, I'm still constipated, you Mm -hmm. know, that's key. So I would say the number one thing that you can do, and this is the first thing that I make any client do just to test it out. Everything that I teach is always an experiment. So this Mm -hmm. is as well. It's like, try it for a week and see what happens. So lemon water in the morning but not like I'm not talking like a little baby wedge in your water people are shocked like when I tell them this I'm not exaggerating when I say you need like an entire squeezed lemon in your water Mm -hmm. 32 ounces I used to say 16 to half of a lemon I mean you can definitely start there but really like a whole lemon to 32 ounces of room temperature filtered water like straight off the bat Mm-hmm. You can always add a little hot, like raw unfiltered honey in there to make it palatable. But I promise you, if you do that for a week, like you're going to be like, that's weird. Every time I drink lemon water, I have a bowel movement. Like mm-hmm. it just gets things 
moving because it gets your your hydration on a cellular level rather than just like in and out. Like if you were just drinking um, plain water, it's not, so to speak, activated. It can't really penetrate your cells the same way. Mm-hmm. So it just flushes everything through your system. Mm-hmm. That's one. Um, sorry, before yeah. you move on, and I think you just said it, but yeah, I just want to harp on it a little. Can you explain what hydration on a cellular level means? Yeah, I mean, it means that if you're just drinking plain, whether it's tap or filtered water, Mm -hmm. it basically just like runs through your system. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women have this experience. They're like, yeah, I started to try to drink more water, but it just like goes right through me and I'm peeing every five minutes. Mm -hmm. That's because you're not actually getting hydrated at all. Mm -hmm. We actually get more hydration from like watery vegetables and fruits because it can't, it has these as different antioxidants and different properties, different uh, nutrients in it that also are in there, not just with the water. It almost, I always use the word activates. It turns on Mm -hmm. the the hydration in the water, so to speak, so that Mm -hmm. it can actually go into your cells and get you hydrated on a deeper level. And it doesn't just flush through your system without sort of like penetrating you, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on from lemon water, you said room temperature. Room temperature. So the thing with cold water is it almost like shocks your system. Mm-hmm. And that's we we want to avoid that at all costs. Like anything that's shocking to the system is just going to cause like uh, an, um, a cortisol spike. It's like a stress hormone. Oh, okay. And not hot water. Hot water is fine on its own, um, but with the lemon, it breaks down the enzymes in, right. the, in the lemon. So Can you, you do it a little heated or no? You could probably do it like if you wanted to let some boiling water like sit around for a few minutes and like get it almost tepid, you could probably do that. But okay. it's not super necessary. It doesn't like, it doesn't help or hinder really. Okay. Okay. So after lemon water, what's the second thing you would recommend? So second thing, and I don't usually recommend this up front. This is almost like an advanced sort of thing, but I do swear by it personally, is a green juice. Mm -hmm. Celery juice, pure celery juice is honestly a cure-all, like very much a medical medium thing. But I've experienced the benefits of it. I'm talking like everything from getting rid of acne to psoriasis. Like it's great for skin conditions. It's great for anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's a big energy boost, whether you're drinking celery juice or another sort of green juice. So it's just, again, it's very similar to the lemon water in that it's able to, when you're drinking a juice and there's no fiber involved, it's able to just penetrate your system so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's first thing in the morning, anything that you eat on an empty stomach, I mean, even if you think about this in terms of like, if you ate ice cream on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, you'd feel pretty sick because it's mm-hmm. just absorbing in your body so more, so much more intensely. Mm-hmm. So it's this concept of um, sort of I teach eating light to heavy. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting off with this lemon water and then you're easing into a green juice, now it's like you're setting your body up for more nutrition. Now you're maybe you're easing into more vegetables or greens or fruits. Mm-hmm. So really like let, easing into it. It's like mm-hmm. waking up with a like siren versus like a lullaby. Like why why freak ourselves <laughs> like why freak ourselves out first thing in the morning and like right. throw our body into overdrive. Yeah. And that's something that's not taught in our society at all. Yeah. Well, it, again, I think this comes down to diet culture. Once again, it think about how many different things that you've been told about the way to eat. Have a big breakfast. No, have a big lunch. No, dinner should be big. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't like none of it makes any sense. And at the end of the day, like we're all so individual. We're all going to have mm-hmm. one tendency that feels better than the others. But I really am like a pretty logical human being at the end of the day. And I do think I love patterns and I I like finding a certain formula to then play with, you know, mm-hmm. like getting flexible with a sort of structure. And the thing is, is when you're eating light to heavy, like you can't, you, you can do no wrong because you can mm-hmm. always eat more. Yeah. It's not like you're going to like starve if you have your water and your juice and your fruit in the morning and then, you know, you can't eat anything else. No, you can eat. It's just giving your body time to acclimate. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like intuitively, I feel like people arrive at, at that on their own. Mm-hmm. I just sort of give little prompts for people to try, little experiments to try, and they usually land at the same sort of conclusions that I've landed on with my own health. And I just find that fascinating that like 
people when they start to eat a more plant-based lifestyle arrive at like exact same conclusions with their eating styles Mm -hmm. it's pretty wild Mm -hmm. yeah anything else for constipation I mean, obviously fiber is huge. I mean, that's something that Mm -hmm. Western culture already has nailed down. But I think the thing that we miss is that we need both prebiotic and um, probiotic fiber. So we Mm -hmm. need things like um, things like greens, raw greens. Mm -hmm. But then we also need things like... um, I'm totally blanking. Sunchokes. Yeah, sunchokes. Like things that are almost like slippery. Mm -hmm. Um, So the sunchokes is a really good example of that. But yeah, so if you're eating two different types of fiber in your diet and the thing that's often missed is hydration. Mm -hmm. So if you're not, if you're eating a bunch of fiber and you're not um, properly hydrated, it's going to bind you. Mm -hmm. It actually makes things worse. Yeah. So I am like a huge, huge believer in hydration first. Mm -hmm. rather than like a focus on fiber. I think the fiber comes naturally when you're eating a plant-based diet. You don't really have to think about it. Yeah. But I would say that that's huge. One thing that I have tried, and I really only promote this from a, hmm, I'm like nervous to say it, but I do really believe in, there's one herbal remedy that I believe in. I just think that it can definitely go left if you're relying on it, like if anyone relies on anything. But I do use it for travel. Travel will definitely create constipation. Our body just gets out of whack after flying and things like that. But it's called Trifala. Mm-hmm. It's an Ayurvedic blend of a few different yeah. herbs. And I use Banyan um, brand. Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite. If you just do like two with dinner or two like a couple hours before bed, you'll usually like get a pretty like decent bowel movement in the morning. So yeah, that's like a like a little travel hack tip. Yeah. And what I like about Trifala is it's first off, I know people say like Senna's herbal. Yes, it is herbal, but it's a stimulant laxative that you will become dependent on. Trifala is not that. It's actually not even a laxative. Like if you're someone who has regular bowel movements, or if you're someone who even is prone to diarrhea, you it will not make you go. Mm-hmm. It actually, it's, I think like a lot of things in Ayurveda, it's all about bringing you into balance. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Like I said, it's a blend of three different herbs and none of them are like for laxative yeah. power. It's just something about this combination of herbs does help, mm-hmm. but you're totally right. It's more about balance. Like it's not going to like make you have the runs or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about with bellies, and this might almost feel counter to things that we have been talking about, but I know that you've talked a little bit about stubborn belly fat. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I do think in regard to the inflammation that we spoke about, I think that is a piece of it. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we really do think that we have belly fat and it's inflammation. Mm -hmm. I also think that Belly fat a lot of times comes down to following a a more like keto style lifestyle, which is interesting because I know like I, I even consider like whole 30 kind of keto, honestly. I know it's mm-hmm. not as extreme, but that's that was kind of like what I was doing before I got psoriasis. I was eating a very high fat, high protein diet. Mm-hmm. And the thing with that is that it does do what it says it's supposed to do. It does like lean you out and build muscle and like really get you looking toned. But what they don't tell you is that you're fucking your diet up long term. So like in the mm-hmm. short term, it does get rid of that belly fat and you feel so good about yourself But then what happens is after, you know, let's say a year like I did of doing it, it ends up reversing. And so like Mm -hmm. I just became like puffy as fuck. And then that's Mm -hmm. when the psoriasis hit. So I assume they're related. Mm -hmm. I would say that the number one thing that you could do to get rid of belly fat is eat fruit. And people are going to freak out when they hear that because Mm -hmm. people have so much fruit fear because it's been like beat into us that Mm -hmm. fruit makes us fat because it's sugar. And it's just like such bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I think we all carry fat in different areas. I think when we carry fat around our stomach, just like from a more like energetic perspective, when we carry fat around our stomach, it's a protective thing. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Like, of course, there's so much having to do with the physical, but I really think like belly fat specifically with women, like that's our, that's our, like, that's our power right there. Like that's our womb space. That's Mm -hmm. an area that we've probably dealt with a lot of trauma around in in so many different ways, whether it's a pregnancy or some sort of abuse or even just trauma around being a woman in a man's world. Yeah. So I personally think that a lot of the belly, stubborn belly fat that I had held during college, it was a time where I hadn't processed sexual abuse. I hadn't, pro- I hadn't processed the fact that I was trying to be like, I was trying to act, you know, in a more masculine way mm-hmm. to be cool mm-hmm. instead of embracing my more feminine nature. Yep. And I think all of those things had a way, way bigger impact on that than food. I think mm-hmm. they both kind of work together. But I would say if you're dealing with stubborn belly fat, I think I would ask yourself the question, like, what is it that you're feeling shameful about? Or what is it that you feel like you might want to be hiding? Or how would you how would you feel about yourself if you didn't have that? And like, what makes you sort of like stuck on that feeling that you feel because you do have it so to speak Mm. you know sometimes I feel like we're we're hiding and we don't even realize why right yeah I mean yeah I can relate to all of that honestly I always kind of think of like that stubborn weight anywhere as energetic debris Mm -hmm. and so that's why I think it's so important to look at things both spiritually and mentally not just on a food level Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm Oh, I love that. Um, okay, before we start wrapping up, do you have any tips for addressing trauma around the womb space? Mm, yeah, I think this is, I mean, I could definitely give some teachers, like I think Alexander Roxo is so beautiful at teaching uh, women how to really not just embrace you're, or not, you know, how do I say this? Not just heal your trauma, but embrace it and like love it. Mm. And really, she always says, you know, make art from your pain. And I feel like that's so resonant with me. I feel like, you know, we as women have this beautiful opportunity to take the things that we've been through that a man could really never understand. And like that could bond us and that can connect us. And we mm-hmm. can really like be in harmony with each other in that way. So I would say, you know, one thing is for sure having a community of women. Like even if it's not a community of best friends, like I feel like I was so opposed to having a group of women friends because it just seemed like so, I don't know, like a bad rom-com, honestly. Like it just seems ridiculous to me. But then when you sort of go into like, um, like a spiritual community, there's less pressure because you're like, I don't need to be friends with these people. I can just have conversations and if friendships happen, they will, mm-hmm. then you're good. Mm-hmm. But I think that takes some pressure off. So really finding a female-based community that's going to make you feel seen and heard and held. And then I think movement is so huge. I mean, that's that's something we haven't really touched on, but I definitely teach movement from a place of embodiment so instead of doing like a hit workout so that you Mm -hmm. lose the weight it's like I want to do Pilates so I feel strong so Mm -hmm. back to this idea of intentionality so I think it could be something like Pilates or it could be dance Mm -hmm. or it could be a walk or Mm -hmm. it could be like self-pleasure like it could be all of these different things anything that just brings you back into the body and really helps you just let your body lead you rather than your brain leading your body like that's the sweet spot right yeah I tend to gravitate between the last two that you just mentioned but yeah (laughs) that's just me um also for more on embodiment uh check out episode 61 it's called how to honor your needs and embody your highest self Okay, so before I let you go, and I'm so sorry if anyone can hear my tummy rumbling. I'm so hungry. (laughs) Um, Can you talk a little bit about your coaching program? Yeah, so I just launched a 12-week coaching program that I've termed the Live Rich Method. So this Mm -hmm. idea of like inner richness that we can really bring forward. And it's broken down into three components. The first section being mind, so really addressing 
what your triggers are and then also kind of creating a structure around your day that allows for more flow so it can almost set you up for success when you do hit those inevitable triggers then it moves into uh, the body portion of things so that's where the intuitive eating and embodied movement pieces come in Mm -hmm. and then it ends with spirit so really what all of this is about is getting to a place where you feel so fucking good that you can actually do whatever you want in the world. Like Mm -hmm. this isn't just about like looking really hot. This is about looking hot and doing something that's for everyone, something that's bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. than you and connecting you back to your soul purpose. So Mm -hmm. three components in 12 weeks. We, we, we meet once a week for an hour and then there's tech support between. So it really is like a very intimate one-to-one situation that I think can really really help someone if you have like day-to-day struggles that you really want like hands-on support with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautiful and if you're in a place where you can't afford that I would recommend subscribing to the live rich magazine yeah yeah there's a I'm I right now I do it monthly I'm gonna start doing it quarterly so that I can start offering a more intimate sort of newsletter just from me um Mm -hmm. in between so that way people will be getting more health tips so if you want to sign up for that you can just go to my site yeah and we'll put all your information in the show notes so everyone can find you um Mary thank you so much for coming on This was awesome. I love talking about this. So I hope that people got some like really good things that they can try out and then let us know how they feel about it. Yeah. So much actionable advice in this. So that's the goal. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with family, friends, whoever you think might benefit from it. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. Love you guys. See you next week. 